All right. Woohoo. Back in business. We made it again. What's up, everybody? Hey. Welcome back to Music Maniacs with Side After Dark. We're Side After Dark. We are. We're a band out of Brooklyn, New York, and mm-hmm. we love music, and we love talking about music, so mm-hmm. that is why we started this podcast. And today... Today... We have a very rocking episode. Oh, man. It's about one of the biggest bands, if not the biggest band of the 80s, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking a band that has not one, but two virtuoso musicians. Mm-hmm. That a, happen to be brothers. That happen to be brothers. Mm-hmm. A drummer and a guitar player. Uh-huh. And we're originally joined by a singer that has a bit of a larger-than-life personality. All right. And if you don't know who we're talking about by now, we are talking about... Do 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 Van Halen. So, in order to talk about Van Halen, we got to go all the way back to a little city, small town you may have heard of, <laughs> called Amsterdam. Yeah. Where there was two brothers born there. Yeah. There was an Alex. Yes. And there was an Edward. There was. and their father was a musician yeah he played clarinet and other um instruments as well his name was jan jan van halen there you go which is funny because van halen now i know that they're dutch it seems it's such a dutch name but i didn't even think about it as being dutch when i first i was just like oh van halen nice yeah yeah as a child not at all did i ever think oh this guy like these people might be from another country or anything nothing nothing yeah yeah and so they, they moved over here when they were, I think Eddie was like 10. Yes. Alex is two years older than Eddie. He's mm-hmm. a bit older. He's a bit stronger looking. Uh-huh. He has a very, he's very much like a big brother type vibe. Yes. I feel. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And also a bit of mysteriousness to him too. A little bit of mystery. Yeah. He has a bit of mystique. Uh-huh. Eddie, Eddie seems a little more open. Yeah. Or seemed a little more open. RIP to Eddie. Yes. Um, so yeah. So they moved, they came over to America when they were still kids. Mm-hmm. And they actually really bonded during this time because they didn't know English. They didn't know English at all. They were considered minority kids. They mm-hmm. got bullied by a lot of the American kids. What's wrong with you Americans? Oh, well, we should say why. Well, so her, their dad was, was Dutch and their mom was... Indonesian. Indonesian. Yeah. yeah she yeah. um uh, apparently Amsterdam has like colonies or islands right off and mm-hmm. she was born on one of those islands. She's considered an Indo, you know, so Indonesian South Pacific Islander, something like that. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Um so yeah, so they came over and they bonded a lot because they literally couldn't talk to anybody else because mm-hmm. they didn't know the language. So mm-hmm. they just were speaking Dutch to each other. So they already they had a obviously you know, it's family, you already have a tight bond, mm-hmm. but you're gonna have an even tighter bond yeah. after that because here you are in this new place. And the only people that can really understand you is your family. Absolutely. Absolutely. They spend a lot of time in their own club. And then they made their own club. That's right. That people couldn't join after, okay? Yeah. Take that, bullies. So, <laughs> so they ended up in California, uh-huh. which is a pretty far journey from Amsterdam. I think so, too. Yeah, yeah. You're going to the other side of America. You know, you're not coming directly over to New York, where it's right. like a little bit closer, East right. Coast. So they're going over on the West Coast. That is a far journey. But for somebody who's like a Pacific Islander or Indonesian, I could see California as the area because you have a lot of like sense, Hawaiians, yeah. like a lot of you know Vietnamese. Well, like, yeah, I mean, you're, you're literally closer. I mean, you're on the, you're on the Pacific, mm-hmm. so that that's true. That's mm-hmm. a good point. Mm-hmm. Um, so so they both started playing instruments, taking after their dad. Yes. But their dad was playing instruments. He actually, their dad was playing music to pay for their passage to America. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, 
so they originally got into music, but not exactly how you would think mm-hmm. if you know anything about Van Halen. There's a little bit of flip, flip, flippity. <laughs> a little flippy flop. <laughs> um, so it turns out that uh, Alex yeah. originally had a guitar mm-hmm. and Eddie had a drum kit. Yeah. And the thing was, you know, you're a little kid. You don't really have a lot of opportunities to make your own money. Yeah. So for Eddie to buy the drum kit, he was working as a paper boy. Yeah. As a paper route. Yeah, he was working a paper route. He said that's his only job he's ever had in life. Mm-hmm. And he only got that job to pay for his instrument. Yes. And once he got the money, he was out of there. And for you youngsters at home, so what a paper boy is, <laughs> is that he used to read the news on a newspaper. And there had to be like a young child to go physically bring the paper to everybody's yard. Yes. So yes. that probably on a bicycle. Right. Right. Um, so that was Eddie did. Yeah. It, that was what Eddie did. Yeah. And the thing that's funny is that while Eddie was out running his paper route to pay for his drum set, mm-hmm. his brother... <laughs> freeloading Alex <laughs> was at home <laughs> scheming on the drums he's at home playing the drums and he's like oh shit I'm pretty good at this <laughs> um so basically they said that they don't remember exactly how it happened but at some point they just switched instruments yeah I, I well I heard Eddie say and this is kind of Eddie's uh personality I'm starting to realize like he was mad that Alex has got had gotten good at the drums and he <laughs> wanted something to be good at it's like you could equally be as good on the drums eddie but he said no 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 i need my own thing so that's when he chose guitar he said we wanted to be good at something and i just want to make a little statement i bet that even now alex van halen could probably shred a fucking guitar though i mean definitely more than most people could shred a guitar yeah i would think yeah i don't know what his version of not good is yeah well it's funny because i heard um you know obviously they were still very young at the time Mm -hmm. and i heard alex say in an interview that he just saw that Eddie understood it better. Like, it was something like he saw Eddie hear something and then immediately play it. Okay. And he was just like, okay, you clearly get this more than I do. (laughs) Like, I guess this should be your thing. Yeah. And also, it's not to, again, bring up, like, the physical appearance of the two of them, but I feel like Alex looks like more of a drummer like he's a bigger (laughs) stronger guy that's true and he's like a skinnier smaller dude he looks a little brainier versus the jockiness of alex if you will yeah and the guitar is a lot more of a brainy instrument than the drums that's true that's what i mean yeah and for for 80s rock and roll late 70s into 80s rock and roll eddie's uh personality and vibe kind of fits the guitar more than alex's as a lead guitarist of a band Yeah, yeah yeah i feel like that too yeah exactly so, so they started doing that, and I mean, they were immediately really good. I mean, their dad's a professional musician, so yeah. clearly music runs in the family. Uh-huh. And, you know, I've heard stories from them at this point where they're saying, like, you know, kids in high school, like, they'd be out, like, partying and stuff, and I'd just be in my room by myself playing guitar, because that's, that's all the guy wanted to do. Yeah. And you can really tell mm-hmm. when you hear him, and, you know, we'll talk about his guitar st- style uh, more as we go on but you can really tell like that the guitar was his life yes you know absolutely, what i mean absolutely his first child we could call it that <laughs> he's a teen parent <laughs> he's a teen parent to a lovely stratocaster <laughs> um and then same with alex alex was just all about the drums yeah you know yeah and he was really the driving force of the band earlier on alex yeah. was yeah we've listed him as one of our favorite guitarists or best guitar i mean sorry best drummers of all time mm-hmm. and you guys can check out that 
video. Yeah, and we'll talk as we get more into like the Van Halen, the band, and their progression. We'll talk more about you know their their styles and why they're so good at what they do. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so they started playing. It was funny. This so they didn't have enough space for a full band to play in their house. They had a relatively smaller house in Pasadena, mm-hmm. California. Uh-huh. And so they would literally start playing with other people just so they could play with a full band because they couldn't fit it in their house. Right. Right. So they were, by the time they were like 14, 15 years old, they're already playing in bands. Yeah. The Broken Combs was their elementary band. I mean, elementary school, they had a band. Like, what in the world? That, hey, that's, that's the son, sons of musicians if I've ever heard it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so they were, they were always playing in bands in their high school. And actually, um, somebody that they would become acquainted with in the future mm-hmm. a young man from indiana yep. named david lee roth yes happened to see one of their younger bands before mm-hmm. he even knew them and was like these guys got something yeah but it was gonna be a few years before they ended up joining forces we'll get to that mm-hmm. uh dave diamond dave as uh-huh. some may call him uh-huh. he went on and he was in some other bands and really kind of figuring out what it is that he does yeah during this time yeah while the van halen brothers had their own direction right so right now they're paralleling yes they're right now they're parallel mm-hmm. but at some point they will converge yes and then they will be parallel again <laughs> and converge and parallel again and so on and so forth <laughs> so they were playing in bands um the first iteration of their band was called the Trojan Rubber Company. Uh-huh. And on the bass, they had a, a man named Mark Stone. Correct. Who was very good at the bass for, for all intents and purposes. Yes. From what I've heard. Yeah, but he was like an A-plus student. These mm-hmm. are his own words. He was really good at school, and he was just having a hard time deciding what to choose musicianship or being a grade a student going off to college and stuff and you know it's kind of a hard decision to make at that point in time time. when you're that young you know you know you could easily end up a failure right and he was like you don't want to he you know he kind of said to himself you don't want to leave before the magic happens and he totally did yeah let me tell you something you made the wrong choice. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Mark. I mean, you know it, obviously. I don't think he, we're the first person to tell him this. Right, right. But, he, yeah. yeah. He says um, he left, and then Alex says that they asked him to leave because mm-hmm. they found they found the same reason. Like, he's he not... He wasn't fully... Yeah, it. committed to it. Yeah. So, yeah, when your dad's a virtuoso, there's a difference um, between committed um, in the Van Halen vocabulary mm-hmm. and then committed... In the regular people's vocabulary, I yes, think. Yes, that's definitely true. Yeah, Mike probably was like, hey, man, I'm making rehearsals two times a week. I'm, I'm contributing my part. What do you do after that? <laughs> exactly. What do you do before that? <laughs> you don't live it and breathe it, bruh. <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll get to... He was replaced eventually, but we'll get to that. So then... So after they were the, the Trojan Rover Company, <laughs> um, they also went to Mammoth. Yeah. And at this point... Again, three people in the band. Yeah. Eddie is also doing lead vocals. Yeah. Which is, I, it's kind of hard to imagine that, to be honest. I like Eddie's harmonies with um, Mike, but I can't imagine him like singing a song on his own. Yeah. Um, we'll get to we'll get to Michael mm-hmm. Anthony as he, he he's there's the, a new Mike he does replace yes. um, Mark surprise, you know. um, but not yet. <laughs> so, so Eddie's doing lead guitar and lead vocals and. The thing is, I can't really imagine that because the guitar style of Eddie is so intensive. I couldn't imagine you doing that and also doing lead vocals. Yeah. And apparently Alex kind of felt the same way. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yes. Because Alex wanted was like, okay, like we should have a lead singer. Yeah. We should have a front man. Because, mm-hmm. you know, 
there's something that goes along with that. There's something, you know, a certain aspect of having this one person in the front that's not, that's kind of, um, how do I want to say this? Not free from instruments, but they don't have to be tied down to an instrument. They yeah. can run over here. They can run over there. Yeah. There's something about that that is a different presentation than yeah. somebody that's also playing the guitar and singing. It's true. It's true. Yeah. And um, Eddie's voice is not super explosive, was not super explosive that he can do, I feel like, and, and carry both at the same time for yeah. a long, like a period of years and stuff like that. I think that's what it was too. He was explosive enough of guitar. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> you, got, you got that. Stick to it. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think you're going to be okay. Yeah. Um. So at the time they had already known David Lee Roth. Mm-hmm. He was in a different band. Who doesn't? No. <laughs> <laughs> Diamond Dave. Diamond Dave Roth. And this, this was the thing. So he wasn't in the band with them. But what he had that the Van Halen brothers didn't have was called a PA system. Uh-huh. And that is what you use for the microphone when you're singing in concerts. Yes. So the Van Halen brothers, when they needed equipment for their singer, mm-hmm. which was Eddie at the time, yeah, they would have to pay Dave 10 whole dollars to rent out the PA system for a show. It's a lot of moolah. It's a lot of moolah. Hey, if you're not making any money, ten dollars, especially in 1975 or whatever, yeah, that's some money. Yeah, for yeah, every yeah. show, ten dollars a show, you're only making twelve dollars a show, maybe. Exactly. You know. Exactly. Yeah, that's taking a lot of your bread away from you. Yeah, their PA system was crap, so they had to get days. Yes. Uh-huh. So Alex, again, being a bit of the driver here, uh-huh. he was like, "Hey, Ed, check this out. If we had Dave be the singer." that we wouldn't have to pay for his PA anymore. <laughs> They're like, that's a great idea. That solves all of our problems. We have a lead singer exactly. and we have a PA now. Exactly. And Dave's like, who, me? <laughs> <laughs> and um, so they were already getting a name for themselves. Mm-hmm. But at this point, they're really starting to hone in on what they're doing. Yeah. And they're really starting to kind of get it down. Yeah. I love that Dave said that when he saw Eddie and Alex play with their original band, that he was like, what Alex was doing with his hands and his feet, what Eddie was doing with his hands, he wanted to do that with his body. Mm -hmm. And And his voice. And and his voice. And boy, did he. Yes, he did. (laughs) Yeah. So so at this time, like we said, um, they get a new new bass player, Michael Anthony. Yep. Um, Birth name, Michael Soboleski. Oh, But that doesn't have as nice of a ring to it, I guess. Uh -uh, Uh-uh, uh-uh. And it's funny, he was with another band called Snake. Yeah. And they all saw Van Halen, and Michael was apparently just like tearing it up as a bass player. Mm-hmm. Um, and they offered him to join, and he kind of said to his other bandmates, like, guys, like, this this Van Halen band, like, they want us, they want me to join. Like, what should I do? And they're like, fucking go for it. What are you yeah. talking about? Look yeah. at this, this band is crazy. Yeah. And we should say now how they got the name Van Halen. Yes. It's all David Lee Roth. Uh-huh. It's all, it was all his idea. Because, <laughs> you know, they were going with Mammoth, which is, you know, it's a big name yeah it's a big kind of massive name yeah i was talking we were talking about this and i was like i would listen to mammoth yeah. I like especially like if i were 80s rocking kid like yeah. i would definitely buy a mammoth album yeah it has a you know it's a good ring to it mm-hmm. but dave was like hey man <laughs> your name it's got van halen's powerful uh-huh. that should be the band yep and they were just kind of like fuck it all right okay and it does sound different yeah it does have a nice ring to it yeah and it doesn't sound like an I I don't know what a typical rock band. It's not the not Van Halens. Right. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Like, 
it goes in there. It's so funny because the the way Eddie plays, it's like a a, a modern Mozartish kind of player. Mm-hmm. And Van Halen goes right in there with Bach and Mozart and Rachmaninoff. Like it really does. That's true. Yeah. I didn't think about that. That's so crazy. That is a good point. Mm-hmm. It was meant to be. It was yeah. always meant to be Van Halen. Uh huh. Fuck Mammoth. <laughs> didn't do shit. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. So at this point, now we have the classic lineup. All right. And we should also mention about Michael, something that also really stood him, made him stand out, was his high vocal, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which was apparently really the most valuable thing that he added. Yeah. Because you listened to the Van, the early Van Halen album, uh, you listened to the early Van Halen albums, and whenever the chorus comes in, the harmonies are just so amazing. <laughs> And oh, that's man. all that's that's Michael holding it down. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He's Dance very underrated. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. So now that they have the the core four together, they really just become I mean, basically road warriors. Yeah. Yeah. They're all over. They're they're making their sounds. They're doing um house parties in Pasadena. Mm-hmm. Big house parties. If you ever been to a house party, aren't they um awesome aren't they amazing so you know they send out flyers mm-hmm. old school route people are packing these parties like crazy they're waiting as much as they can to play the music at the end of the party because yep. you know once the music starts blaring then the cops come yep so they used to wait those out but they used to get like sometimes two thousand people in a backyard yeah it's pretty crazy that is crazy and when the cops would come shut them down they would say this music was so loud, we were looking for the party four blocks away. <laughs> That's insane. But I, I could just kind of envision that. That must have been some really good times. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And they just, well, first of all, everybody already knew that they were kind of the band. Yeah. They're like, you guys got to see this Van Halen band. And they were talking about, you know, they would have all these house parties on the weekend. They'd be like, well, is Van Halen playing? Because <laughs> if Van Halen's playing, who the fuck is playing? Exactly. I mean, come on. Like, it's Van Halen or nothing. All right. So, because everybody knew, like, at this time, Eddie and Alex were both amazing. Mm-hmm. David was amazing. Yeah. I, I don't want to get too much. I want, when we get to the talking about the first album, I want to break it down yeah. individually, but they, we have a lot to go still before we yeah. even get to the first album. Yeah. Cause they were playing shows and just really grinding it out for years. Yeah. Just in that, the Southern California area. Yeah. Pasadena era. Right. We're talking like early seventies around like 73 mm-hmm. and they're going for a while because yeah. the, the first album didn't come out till like the late seventies. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So they're really honing it down what they do and they eventually make it to Hollywood. California. Which to be honest, I don't know how far Pasadena is from LA. I have no idea what California geography is. No idea, but it definitely must've been a really big deal. I know like living in Rockland County, that's just like an hour and a half away. It's like a totally different mindset. And they're like, are you going to the city? Like, you know, and they're, the kids come into the city and they count the the skyscrapers floors. They're like, oh my God, one, two, three, four. So it's like- The Empire State Building is so many floors. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And you're just an hour away. So I can, if it was that kind of mindset, then going to Hollywood, finally getting there must have been like a big deal to right the van halens and according to interviews i've seen it was really dave that was pushing to go down there mm-hmm. he was just like we clearly are meant for more than pasadena mm-hmm. and i think it seemed like everybody that was around them at this time also agreed with that yeah because they're like these guys are fucking going places yeah people were like and it, you know it's easy to say this in retrospect but there were so many like people that were like friends with the band and people that became roadies with the band that were like you could just tell that they were going to be like rock stars yeah but i don't know if they were really saying that at the time or if it's just easy to say that now you know <laughs> what i mean like let's be real take me with you put me on put me on 
Um, yeah, so they are, they're just playing for years and years and years until mm-hmm. they, they start playing the clubs in LA. They start getting bigger and bigger. They start getting top billing at the clubs. Yeah, they get a residency, residency at a famous club on a Sunset Strip. Correct. Yeah. And at the time... It's really interesting how it was, because we've talked about this before, and it's similar with um, a band, Chicago, that we did a podcast on. Mm-hmm. At the time, people only wanted to hear covers, mm-hmm. right? People wanted to hear Top 40. Yeah. So what Van Halen was doing is they were playing covers, mostly, Yeah. but in like just completely rocking style that nobody else could really rock as hard as them, to yeah, be honest. they were. And then they would slip in one or two of their originals. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. That seemed like what, what everybody was doing. Everybody that has good original music, that's kind of what they were doing at the point. Because you draw them in with the top 40, and it's like, just when you get comfortable, you're like, oh, here's a song that I wrote. <laughs> hey, it's actually not bad. Yeah. Hey, these Van Halen kids might have something going on. So I'm just having like a moment, a light bulb. So the covers that they did at those shows on the Sunset Strip must have been the covers that they did on their albums, right? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they had to have, like, you really got me. Girl, you really- like they probably were doing that for years I'm yeah because i was just thinking in my head like man i would have loved to see one of them do see them do one of those covers and i'm just yeah. like, wait a minute i think they do i, I think i've yeah, heard yeah, that yeah. <laughs> um so so they were playing shows playing shows for years they played i remember one somebody was saying they did one show that was almost all originals except for um rock and roll all night by kiss <laughs> and it just so happens that somebody in the crowd at one of these shows yes. may have been a member of a certain band called Kiss. Yes, and I found this out during research. I never knew this. Yes. It's so crazy. Gene Simmons, uh-huh. the long-tongued uh, bass player <laughs> for Kiss, was in one of their shows, and he discovered them, yeah, pretty quote-unquote, yeah, yeah. and brought them to New York to record a demo. Yes. But nothing really happened with it. Right. And they ended up coming back to California. Yeah. But they were not... Um, thrown off their path at all no no they kept going and it's um it's still kind of an in i mean gene simmons talked to you and he brought you over like mm-hmm. he had to pay for everything you mm-hmm. know what i'm saying and he's not gonna forget who you are well maybe it is it's gene <laughs> <laughs> maybe he will yeah eddie who's that so after things didn't pan out over here mm-hmm. in the big city <laughs> okay they went back to the little small town la shit just kidding. Um, they went back to California and, you know, they, they keep hitting it. They keep playing shows. Again, they already had a buzz. So it's not like they were restarting from scratch. Right. Like everybody still knew who they were in the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and they eventually were signed by Warner Brothers. Yes. And this this part was really cool to me because I they, I, they showed like in these interviews, like posters of them at the time. Like, come see the last show before the world tour of <laughs> Warner Brothers recording artist Van Halen. It's like they were really selling it up the whole yeah. time. Because, again, they already were so known on the scene right. that they had to let people know. It's like, okay, well, they're they're about to go to the next level, so you better see them now. Mm-hmm. And that is really what happened. Yeah. It's yeah. really what happened. At least the record company knows that's important. They were about to get big on us. Like, they're about to get real big. You know what I mean? So, yeah, that's cool. All right. So then they start. They're recording, and they're about to put out an album, their first album. And now I think we should talk about what it is that made Van Halen one out the album and just Van Halen in general so great. Yes. So first of all, we'll start with the drums. Mm-hmm. Alex just tears the drums up. Yeah, world class. World class. There's certain beats that like it's so it's so funny because he's not necessarily the showiest right. drummer, but when you really sit down and you listen to some of the beats that he produced, they are amazing mm-hmm. and the one that i always think about is from a song that came in on a later album hot for teacher yeah i've said this to you i remember listening <laughs> to this that when i first started getting into like rock music when i was like a young teenager 
I remember hearing that song and just being like, so like, how many drummers are on this? <laughs> and I'm like, I do a research and I'm like, what do you mean there's one drummer? How is one drummer doing this? This doesn't even make sense. You know, so he's absolutely tearing it down and he just has the, again, the personality of like, he's going to rock fucking hard. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of the good things about starting off young when you're playing your instrument because you're not just playing the standards. Mm -hmm. You can find little grooves inside the standards mm -hmm. to make you yourself, to make you an addition to the music fold as opposed right. to just going along with everything. To make your own sound to find who you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Then we have, again, we have Michael Anthony on bass uh -huh. who, I mean, look, if you're listening to Van Halen, you're not listening to Van Halen for the bass. No. But he holds it down on the bass. Absolutely. And like we said, the real he was really the secret weapon with yeah. that high-pitched harmony that he had. If you listen to any of the classic Van Halen songs, you listen to the chorus and you hear that sound. And there's something about that sound that is just magical. It is. It is. It really does hit you in a certain way. It almost makes me think of like how some of like the Beach Boys harmonies are just like so perfect. Yeah. Something about the way his high voice sits on the track. It's so underrated because he didn't sing lead, mm -hmm. but it's so important to their sound. Oh, yeah. Right. So we have that. Mm -hmm. Then do we want to do David or Eddie last? Um, let's do uh, David last. Okay. Mm -hmm. So then we have Mr. Edward Van Halen. Mm-hmm. Obviously a virtuoso guitarist. Yes. He was just doing things that nobody else was doing at the time. Mm -hmm. He was taking influences from a lot of people. And, you know, people always say that he invented the finger tapping style. Yeah, no. People but he have did. done it before. Yeah. yeah. He but just, he popularized it. Right. He did it so much, mm -hmm. you know. And he had his influences. Uh, two of his influences were uh, Black Sabbath, who uh, Van Halen did open for. And then also Slow Hand, which is weird. Um, Eric, Clapton. Eric Clapton. But he said... He was influenced by him, but he's more like Jimmy Page. Yes. Way to go, Eddie. There you go. That's how <laughs> that's how it's done. Um, yeah, so no, his guitar style is just amazing. You listen to any of these Van Halen songs, and it's one of the biggest things that stands out. Just yeah. everything from the notes that he hits to the tone. Mm -hmm. The tone of the guitar sounded like nothing else. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, Do we dig deep into the, not too deep, but a little bit into the guitar? Because he's yeah, an innovator yeah, as well. Yeah, you go know? For it. He would take apart his guitar to mm -hmm. get the right sound. He would make, he would actually cut the body of the guitar, take a neck from somewhere else, take the body from somewhere else, put it together. Um, he, he would destroy the sound completely and then redo it again. Like Eddie um, not only played the guitar, but it's like he was the guitar and completely understood the guitar from the inside out. Yeah. He was not only a virtuoso, but he was also like a mechanic yeah you yeah know? he used to boil his strings <laughs> which i don't even know what that's supposed to do to be <laughs> honest but he used to do it and he used to change his strings before like every show they said yeah which is crazy to me yeah so it's got to expand or it's got to expand the metal somehow to change the tone it's, it's i'm just thinking about science like, yeah it's got to do something like that there. yeah it's got to do something. but yeah he was doing all kinds of crazy shit just making guitars out of all different parts i'll take this part from this guitar this car his most famous guitar which there will be a picture of right here <laughs> um he liked to call the frankenstrat yes because it's like a stratocaster body but it's like if you look at it it's just, it's just parts from everywhere he did the custom paint job which became 
insanely famous and even just like the the paint job itself became a symbol of the band exactly which is kind of wild exactly and we got to see that guitar at the metropolitan museum of art for play it loud i still have it in my stories and thank goodness we went to go see it because eddie has passed away now Mm -hmm. so we i feel like we got a little piece of him before he left true very true. Mm-hmm. Um, last thing I want to say, yeah, so he just he just had a mastery of guitar that not a lot of people had at the time. And this is another thing. It's Honestly, it's funny that I think about it now. It's like the same exact story as the one I just told about Alex. Mm. So he had a song on the first album called Eruption. Yeah. Which is basically just a guitar solo, mm-hmm. which is insane. I remember when I first started hearing guitar, you know, I started playing like ACDC. Do-do-do. Mm-hmm. Do do do, relatively simple stuff. Yeah, and then I hear eruption when I was like thirteen, fourteen years old, and I almost wanted to quit playing guitar. <laughs> I was like, "How the fuck is this possible?" And you know, this is like thirty years after it came out. Yeah, and I'm just like, "What is this? How do you make this sound?" And again, I'm like, I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, "How many guitar players are there on this song? Right. This doesn't make any sense." But again, you look it up and like, no, it's just him. It's just one person with a complete mastery of their instrument. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we have all of these aspects yes. forming the band. Yes. And then who do we have in front of the band? We've got the one of the kings of all front men, David Lee Roth. I mean, this guy pretty much embodies the 1980s, right? He said he wanted to do the same things that Eddie and Alex were doing with their instrument, with his instrument, his uh, physical instrument. So David starts putting on like skin tight clothes, lots of colors, doing split kicks, jump kicks. His voice is not the best voice, right? But it's something about his tone of voice yes. that you really, really like. Like even let's say the harmonies in like Dance the Night Away. Van Halen track, right? And he's like, whoa, do 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 do. Like, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. he knows what to do with his voice. And I yes. feel like in rock and roll, that's more important than you being a super great singer, being all on pitch all the time. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's about I, the show. Exactly. It is all about the show. And this is the thing that I would will say about him. Like, he is not the greatest singer, right. as one would say. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I would want to hear an acoustic, <laughs> an, a David Lee Roth unplugged. <laughs> I don't know if I'd be very into that, to be honest. Uh-huh. But he understood something that is very important in rock and roll music, and yeah. that it's not necessarily the voice. It's the show. Mm -hmm. I would never call him a fantastic singer. What I will call him is one of the greatest entertainers that's ever been involved in music. Absolutely. And obviously one of the greatest frontmen of all time. Yeah. You know, he just, he had a, he had a stage presence that was undeniable. And then also he's just like a tall, good looking guy. That's true. You know what I mean? Like people hurt. Yeah. That didn't hurt. It never hurt. That never hurts. (laughs) But people were clearly just like drawn to him Mm -hmm. and he had a very magnetic presence. Yeah. That helps a lot too. You know, you're not standoffish. You're not conceited. Well, he's a little bit conceited, but not (laughs) in a bad way. You're still welcome to come to the party, Mm -hmm. but he will showboat and be maybe a little bit of an asshole, but David was, uh, they couldn't have picked a better front man, as far as I'm concerned, to to kind of like reflect the sound that was coming from behind him. Yes. You know? Yes. And it's really funny because he really just, with him at the helm, I feel like they really just embodied like party culture at the time. Mm-hmm. Like when you listen to the first Van Halen album before David Lee Roth left or was fired or whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> 
it just it's just fun yeah. it's just fun yep. that's really what it comes down to you know what i mean and that's why so many people loved it and like i just i see some of the footage from these concerts and i'm like i just imagine you know being at a van halen concert in 1979 that must have been the absolute most fun place to be in the fucking world at the time so true you so know true. Mm-hmm. so so obviously they're a great band and now after years and years and years of playing all over california they get the first album out. Mm-hmm. It's just Van Halen. Yep. Now we call Van Halen one because obviously they have more albums now. Yes. But at the time, just Van Halen. Yep. And it's pretty much immediately successful. It goes platinum. It goes platinum the same year that it came out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which and is a big deal. It is a really big deal. I mean, great sounds. They start rocking. They start putting out an album every single year for mm-hmm. like four years. And then they go, all the albums go platinum. Yeah. I mean, they, the well, this is the thing. Like, I, I this is one of the, I really wish that I could have been around in 1978 mm-hmm. just to have heard them for the first time. Yeah. Because, you know, I listened to that first album now and it still doesn't sound like anything else I've heard. Mm-hmm. I could only imagine how groundbreaking it would have been to hear that at a time. Like if you were just walked into your friend's house and they were playing that, you'd be like, what is that? What yeah. the fuck are you playing and where can I get it? Exactly. Exactly. You know? Like, I, yeah, being in a concert and seeing Eruption for the first time or hearing it for the first time, that must have been, my mouth would have been open. But remind me to say something about that later. Okay. Um, so yeah, at this point, they're still not headlining yet. No. But they're playing national tours. And people, the people that are playing the tours are kind of hating on them a little bit, to be honest. Because <laughs> they clearly were the best people of a tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. every tour that they were, it's like they, like other bands were kind of pissed that they had to follow them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sabbath was pissed in a certain way because Eddie would watch their shows after. They opened, well, first they did the U- the North America tour. Yeah. Then they went over to the UK. Yes. And they were opening for Black, Black Sabbath, Sabbath, which was like a dream come true for them. Because Absolutely. like you said, that was one of their biggest influences growing up. Yeah. And then, yeah, they weren't necessarily completely happy with that. No, because Eddie was taking pieces of the Black Sabbath show and putting it in the Van Halen show. So things that they would do on their guitars, he was doing as the opening act. So you got to think about it. When you start the show off, the whole show off with the opening act and they're taking stuff from a well-known band, it's got to be great things that Eddie's doing on his guitar, you know, and then people probably mind blown and stuff like that. And here comes Ozzy and the gang <laughs> and they're just doing the same thing that Eddie just did. It's like, boo, you know. Boo. <laughs> Van Halen. Van Halen. You know there was a lot of that going on. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so at, at this point, they're just, it's, they become one of the biggest bands, if not one, if not the biggest band in the world. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, this they just, they put out so many albums and they're just all, they're all doing great. Van Halen 1, Van Halen 2, uh, Women and Children First, mm-hmm. um, Diver Down. Yep. Um, fair warning. Yeah. Did I miss one? I might have missed one. Uh, you may have. But if I'm I did, sure. let me know in the comments. And Diver if whatever, if we get anything wrong, Van Halen two. Tell us. Van Halen one. Van Halen two. Yeah. Right. Did you say two? I think so. Okay. I don't know. Whatever. If we get something wrong, tell us. <laughs> We're <laughs> tell just going for it. We're having fun here. What's the one with the little baby angel and the cigarettes? Well, this is the thing. <laughs> you know, they put out albums all throughout the early '80s. They're all great, and they're all. Oh, I want to say something else before we even get into that album. So they become one of the biggest stage shows around. Mm-hmm. And this is something that they became really famous for that is very misconstrued. They had something in their tour rider yes. that said, there will be no brown M&Ms. <laughs> and a lot of people ha- hear that story and think it's just like some total diva shit of just like kind of like flexing and like showing your power over the people. Like, no, we're the rock stars. You got to do every little thing that we say. Right. But that's not why they did that. 
This was another thing that David did, which was very, very smart of him. Very smart. We'll, I'll talk about this more later, but David was clearly some kind of psycho genius. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's a crazy guy. His parents were teachers, so it's like yeah. usually, yeah. His parents were professors. Yeah. He's a smart guy. Mm-hmm. The reason that they put that in the tour rider is because at this point, you know, they're headlining these arenas mm-hmm. and their show is so huge. They have, you know, pyrotechnics and lighting and right. all of this kind of stuff. That it's really important to get every kind of detail right. Because mm-hmm. if you get something wrong, I mean, somebody could really get hurt. Yeah. You know, the show could go completely wrong. Everything could fall apart. And that happened. And it and it did happen sometimes. Mm-hmm. So by putting the no brown M&M's thing in the rider, they know that if they're eating M&M's and they see a brown one, they're like, oh, these motherfuckers did not listen to what we said. So now we have to check everything mm-hmm. or somebody's could possibly get hurt right so it's actually that was a really genius thing of them to do oh yeah you know so i want to shout that out because that's a that's a legendary story mm-hmm. that i don't know if everybody really understands why that happened yeah 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 yeah. because one time um the stage couldn't hold their equipment mm-hmm. and they said the promoter everybody said fine come on perform and they ended up having serious issues mm-hmm. because of the stage not being able to hold all those different types of pyrotechnics and all those sounds and like everything so that was i think it's a genius move on david's part too yeah absolutely um <laughs> so yeah like we said he, he's a bit of a crazy genius he's definitely the kind of crazy that i feel like he was going to be successful in whatever he wanted to do mm-hmm. but he also i mean this is how crazy this guy was as far as like partying and shit you know he had literally a system of how to pick out girls from the crowd yeah. during the shows <laughs> which is insane like he literally have roadies and he'll give them passes and the roadies would sign the back of the pass yeah and he would tell the roadies to give them out to girls and if the girl that dave ended up with at the end of the night had he would gave the pass to them and he would look at who what roadie had the the pass and if it was your name then you got a hundred dollar (laughs) bonus and he would also like literally be like back third row all the way to the left uh red tank top and like send like a roadie out like during the show it's the guy all he wanted to do was fucking party and just be fucking on top of the world oh yeah and this would eventually cause a little bit of friction it did cause a little problems i mean david's a really great businessman and a great visionary i think um he Mm -hmm. said he directed a lot of those van halen videos that we Mm -hmm. love that Mm -hmm. you can't get enough of um so got it bad got it bad got it bad gloves he did split. I'm a teacher. <laughs> yeah, he, he really was going for it. So yeah, they put out multiple albums in a row throughout the early 80s that are just huge hits. They're just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it all ends up in the album 1984, oh, yeah. which was released in the year 1983. Mm-hmm. Just kidding. It was 1984. You guys never <laughs> would have guessed that. Um, and this album is considered along with the first album to be like the top van halen albums yeah because this is a crazy album and it's the first one that they recorded in eddie's new studio yes 5150 5150 so they had more time to like really that's screw an with album the sound. 5150, 5150 that came after though yeah oh okay yeah yeah it's that was one of I the think, four i think that was the first with the next singer who we'll talk about soon oh yeah, yeah. so they're also working with this producer dan landy at the time mm-hmm. who was taking like a lot of um leeway into like the sound Mm -hmm. um so 1984 some of the band basically basically consider it to be eddie and his album not really the band's album yeah which is why the sound is a lot different yeah you know you hear you know 
synthesizers. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear things that you didn't hear in some of the early Van Halen albums, which is, I think it's good. You don't always, you don't want to be stagnant. You want to be switching things up and doing different things. Yeah, yeah. And um, David has suggested they use a synthesizer because that was becoming a new trend, a new mm-hmm. thing with like a little bit of progressive rock and like everything. And, and Eddie didn't want to use a synthesizer yes. at first. But then they made a hit. Then Eddie had a little bit of inspiration. Mm-hmm. And they came up with a song called Jump. Which I believe is their biggest song, right? I mean, I, I, it's hard to have any song bigger than this song. <laughs> I've seen the video. David doesn't jump at all. How dare he? <laughs> but, I mean, this song is just an all-time banger. Uh-huh. Everyone, you don't have to know who Van Halen is to know this song. Uh-huh. You don't even have to know the chorus of a song. All you have to hear is the synthesizer riff. <laughs> and you're like, this is great. Uh-huh. It, it's, it is a great song. But, again, there is friction because not everybody wanted the band to sound like that. Yeah, and that happens. Everybody gets bigger. People probably have their original formula they want to stick to. And, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of doesn't always work. Yeah, and then, so, now at this point, also, David, his ego is definitely getting bigger. <laughs> David? And, <laughs> Diamond Dave? Big <laughs> ego? No way. Um, and, he's, well, it's so debate. There's there's a lot of drama. And basically, at this point on, there's a lot of drama involved with Van Halen. Yes. Because there's so much back and forth between the Van Halen brothers and whatever singer they're currently beefing with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, some people say that David left. Some say that he was fired. Right. Long story short, he ended up going solo. Yes. With a new band that had Steve Vai in it. Exactly. Which is pretty sick. Pretty sick. I as a ch- I love the Just a Gigolo video. Uh, David Lee Roth was the epitome of fun to me. Exactly. Ugh. He said something that in one of his interviews around this time that 100% is true. Regardless of what the Van Halen brothers have to say. He said that I was always the fun in Van Halen. <laughs> And he's totally right. He's 100% because the right. Mus- the music is serious. Yeah. Like, if you just hear Eddie's guitar and Alex's drums, that shit is serious. Yep. That's not necessarily lighthearted and fun. Right. But David brought the fun and the energy. And I, I completely agree with him when you say that. That was not out of line at all, in my opinion. I, I agree as well. And uh, David David's solo journey is really interesting. He only does four solo songs. And yeah, he solo EP he put out, not an yeah, album. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And he says he does that because he said, when you buy an album, you only <laughs> really like three or four songs on the album. So he was like, I'm just going to put out four songs that I know everybody would like. And sell it to you for less. Because mm-hmm. again, he's a business guy. <laughs> okay. But yeah, so now Van Halen is without David Lee Roth. Right. They need a new singer. They do. And they recruit a man named Sammy Hagar, mm-hmm. who is not a bad singer. No, it is not, not a bad all. guitar player. No, and not a bad showman either. No. He's he's fun. He's fun as well. He's a fu- he's he's good at what he does. Mm-hmm. And obviously, he had a successful career before. They didn't just find he wasn't an unknown guy, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So clearly, he had a track record of being successful. Uh-huh. But the thing is, and you know, we talked about this. Whenever you take the core members of a band that went through all of that shit together yeah. to get to where they are, and you take any piece of that out. It's just going to be different. It's yeah. just the chemistry, just the personalities of the people, what they like to do for fun, how yeah. they act. There's no way it will ever be exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. I love watching the interview when an interviewer asks all four guys with Sammy as a new guy. And he's like, okay, so this is the band. Sammy's definitely past audition. And Alex and Eddie are like, yep, yep. They're like, this is actually 
the the Van Halen that was supposed to happen. The Van Halen before was just like a prototype, or you know. And it's like then you st- you kind of start to sit back and say, hmm. <laughs> it's not just one person that's the problem here. We'll get into that a little more, you know, as, as the story goes on. <laughs> yeah. So Sammy comes into the band, and again, you know, he's very good, and they have good songs in this period. I'm not trying to say this music isn't good. Oh yeah. But if you know them from the original era. It's hard not to be a little disappointed. Yeah, yeah, it's Because it's not as fun. It's just not as fun without David. It's like, not. Sorry, guys. Yeah. You're great musicians, but David was right. He did bring the fun. Yeah. And it's not as fun with Sammy. What did he say? He uh, he said, uh, Sammy and them, they they play at a party. And he's like, I am the party. I am the party. <laughs> we agree. Yeah, yeah. He said, Sammy, they, they attend the party. <laughs> I am the party. <laughs> Which, again, is a really egotistical thing to say, but <laughs> well, he's not really wrong. Not. So I can't hate on him for it. No, no. Me neither. Um, little side note. At this point, they've become so hugely successful and influential that I feel like pretty much every 80s band at this point is just trying to be Van Halen. Well, yeah, yeah. and Of, um, of the hair metal type bands. Yes, because yeah, yeah, they're yeah. trying to say that um, Van Halen pretty much spearheaded not only the hard rock not only the hair metal, but also the metal movement mm-hmm. in the 80s mm-hmm. in America. And I mean, I can agree with that as well, too. But this is the thing. Their first album came out in 78. That's true. And the the metal that the hair metal that we're talking about is a completely 80s thing. Mm-hmm. So the way I see it is just, and again, I could be wrong. I wasn't there at the time. But I see the whole hair metal thing just growing out of like, what can we do? How close to Van Halen can we get? Yeah, because you know it's like I mean? you see David Lee, he's got big hair too. He doesn't have lipstick and eyeshadow on. He's not wearing heels. But like, yeah, when you want to kind of like either bastardize it or just make it crazier, you're like, I'm going to put platforms on. Right. And the thing is, it had to be bastardized because most, no other guitarist was going to be better than Eddie. Mm-mm. And no one was going to play the drums better than Alex. Mm-hmm. And no one was going to have that sweet vocal like mm-hmm. Michael. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So all they could do was try their best. Yeah. But Van Halen were clearly the kings of that, and they weren't even trying to be hair metal. Yeah, yeah. Right? And they were kings. Uh, to me, they were kings of, like, three different genres. Because when I think of, um, ain't talking about love, <laughs> like, when that song starts out, I think of Metallica. Mm, interesting, interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. I also want to say, not only we're talking about rock, but at this point... Um, Eddie is playing on Michael Jackson songs. <laughs> He's pl- he played, if, for you, those of you that don't know, the song Beat It. There's an amazing guitar solo on there that was obviously played by Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> There's no one else that could have played that shit and it made it sound like that. And he did it for free. He did it for free. He played on this Black Kids album. And that's a quote. <laughs> that's a quote from it. Yeah, they asked me to play on this Black Kids album. And I was like, okay. He's like, okay. <laughs> and he did it for free. And David and the rest of the band were like, what the fuck? You did it for free? What do you mean? <laughs> Little did he know, yeah, that Michael was going to be like really, really huge. And uh, Eddie like, literally said, played on the biggest album in the world. Yeah, yeah. Thriller. That yep. al- yeah. But yep. anyway, yeah. Eddie was like, he's in the record store and they're playing a beat it on the radio and the kids are in the store and they're like, listen to this fucking guy trying to be Eddie Van Halen. And Eddie's like, it is me. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, love it. So yeah, so obviously, you know, Van Halen's doing their own thing. David Lee Roth is doing their own thing, but they're still, they're always kind of in each other's orbits because they're always talking about each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good for record sales, right? It's very good for record sales. Uh-huh. And I don't think that's an accident on David's part. No, yeah, I don't either. You know what I mean? Um, so they put out a few records mm-hmm. with Sammy. Yeah. Um, and surprisingly, he eventually is also not in the band under <laughs> mysterious circumstances. <laughs> 
Sammy says Eddie called him on Father's, Father's Day. Father's Day. <laughs> it's like, hey, man, you haven't been doing anything I want you to do. Imagine the shock of that. Like, like Eddie, I hope you didn't do this to Wolfgang. Like, you know what I'm saying? Just wake him up like, hey, I told you. Like, you know, you're just like shocked and scared because that's kind of like frightening in a way. Yeah. You know? Especially and- if this is like, you think this is your friend and like yeah. your, your, com- your comrade. And then, yeah, like you wake up, you get a call on Father's Day. <laughs> Apparently, he had just had a kid, too. So he was like a brand new father. <laughs> and Eddie was like, you're not doing shit. You're not trying enough, blah, blah, blah. You're, you're done. Like, we, you just want to be solo. Maybe you should just be solo. And, and Sammy's like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> so now Sammy's out. Yeah. And this is where I kind of feel like Eddie and Alex are one. You know what I'm saying? They're the two How the hell monster. can both of you, like, you know, do that? Like, that's, like, interesting. They're very... It seems like Eddie and Alex were always on the same page. Yeah. They very much were the two-headed monster of the band. Yeah. And I do think... Honestly, I think that has a lot to do with the band being called Van Halen. David, you fucked up. No. Like, if they still went with Mammoth, I don't think... I don't even know that this would be a conscious thing. But I don't think that they would feel the same ownership and right to make every decision about van halen true than if their name wasn't literally the name of the band yeah that should have probably been something covered in a contract you know what i'm saying like just because your name is the band it doesn't mean that you own the band like you know it's all four of us you know yeah they, but they also who's gonna in. say that to them david they should have made that in the you know what i'm saying they should have set up you know it's it's like foresight we hear all these band stories like we, we watch like our, our rock ancestors and all mm-hmm. the mistakes that they made and they were kids at the time and they're mm-hmm. not knowing that they're making these mistakes like these right. are business moves that people do later on in life and stuff like that but you know in hindsight it's 2020 but yeah that definitely should have been something like contractual you know yeah but it wasn't. <laughs> it was not. So Sammy's out of the band. Uh-huh. And again, you know, they're all, everyone's just kind of talking shit to each other. Yeah. And it's pretty clear at this point, I feel like, at what point are the Van Halen brothers like, maybe it's me? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Not um, at this point. Not so at whatever. this point. Yeah, not at this point. So, so Sammy tries to get back because sometimes bitch assness is infectious you know so sammy <laughs> sammy called, put that on my tombstone <laughs> sammy starts inquiring about dave and he's like you know what me and dave should actually go on a tour together yeah you know so great idea for ticket sales yeah absolutely so they're talking about that they're talking it up talking it up talking it up and it does happen but it's not that great of a tour sam well they go on to become this group called Sam and Dave, and they make hits like Hold On, I'm Coming, and stuff like that. Right? That's them. Um, are they? It's I've, not? I've, <laughs> it sounds sure. just like Dave singing Hold On, I'm Coming. How can that not be? I don't know, but, but all I know is that they started the tour thinking they were going to be great friends. <laughs> And they were, they were, it was a co-headlining tour. So yes. one night, Sammy would close. Correct. The next night, Dave would close. Yep. Um, and by the end of it, they fucking hated each other. <laughs> they really did. And then you see videos of Sammy blaming Dave, Dave blaming Sammy. Mm-hmm. But it's clearly both of their fault because there's a video with Sammy and he was like, Dave's opening tonight. I'm closing. So I get the smaller dressing room. And he walks in the dressing room in the video. He's like, look at this shit. He was like, I'm a world famous artist. He was like, I have to be in here. So it's like, okay. He was very much... Being a bit of a spoiled brat. Yeah. Like, Look yeah. at the, first of all, the room that he's talking about is like bigger than my apartment. <laughs> and he's like, how am I supposed to, I, how am I supposed to have a meal in here? I can't even, blah, blah, blah. whatever. Yeah. The only thing that they really had in common was that they both weren't fans of the Van Halens at this point. <laughs> That's really the only thing that brought them together. That's not enough to make a friendship. Not at all. Okay. 
So the tour, whatever. They did the tour. That was it. Mm-hmm. Van Halen, they're still going. They got another singer. <laughs> yeah, they did. Gary Sharon. Yeah. They put out one album with him. Yeah. And this, this, this I, I feel bad for Gary. Yeah. But this kind of made me laugh because in the interviews for this time, they're like, oh, this is for sure the guy. He's our brother. It feels better now than at any point it's ever been with Van Halen ever in the future. Just stop. And they put out one album and it didn't do great and they dropped him like that. Like, yes. Like, a yeah. So, you know, we're starting to see that it, it, it takes a lot of jerks to make these things happen. You know, not just one. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, it, it really does. I try to be, you know, especially when we do these, I try to be as unbiased as possible and try to hear all the different things from all the different people. Yeah. But there's definitely a recurring theme here. Exactly. And it definitely has to do with the Van Halen brothers. Yeah. And, and, and Gary could have never gone to albums or, or more than one album because he's not blonde. Okay. <laughs> and obviously Van Halen needs a blonde frontman to do multiple albums and have multiple album success. Of course. It's just, that's in the, that's, <laughs> that's in the contract. I don't know if you knew that. That's, that's written. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they eventually decide that the best move forward for them after three strikes are out. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? We tried three singers. None of them are lasting. Maybe we try to get back together with Dave. Oh, wait, before this, actually, they tried to get together with him again. Yeah. After Sammy. Okay. And they did like a, an award show together. And it was supposed to be a big thing about them getting together. And this was a little ego from Dave. Yeah. Um, they did the show together. And then I guess Eddie was saying some, a bunch of stuff, like a speech about getting the band together. Mm-hmm. And like David started like pouting and shit. And he was like, this night was supposed to be about me, man. Yeah. And they were just like, all right, well, fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> we're not even doing an album. We're not even getting doing a tour. That was over before it even started. Yeah, yeah. And um, some people say that that was all lies. Like, they were never going to do a tour together. It was all just to keep their names in the media, keep and giving them records. more. Yeah, and sell records. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But after all that, after Gary is in and out of the band, <laughs> they do team up with Dave. Yeah. And they do go on a reunion tour with Dave, and they put out an album, their last album. We, yeah, wait, Michael Anthony. I will, yes, okay, so you're right, you're right. So before, my bad, there's there's a lot. There's uh-huh. a lot going on, guys. <laughs> Stick with us, we appreciate you. There's a lot of drama. Mm-hmm. So now at this point, I think this is in between Gary and David coming back, right? Yeah, yeah. So now at this point, the Van Halens, after basically fighting everybody else off, they're kind of looking at Michael like, you know... I don't think you really do as much as the rest of us. <laughs> and he, which is fucked up because it's like, he, again, you're talking about a guy that you've been in this band with for like 20 years now. Mm-hmm. He was with you when you were nothing. You yeah. went through all of this shit together to even get to this point. Yeah. And to just kind of look at him now and just be like, you're getting too much of the pie. <laughs> That's just greed right there. Yeah, yeah. Fame is a monster. Fame I mean, I mean, even uh, Eddie went as far as to say that that was all pretty much his backing vocals and his vocals that made the Van Halen sound. And that was just like, okay, now this is going too far. It's going a little far. Yeah. They made him sign away the rights to the band to play like another tour with them. Unreal. And then by the time that Diamond Dave returned to the band, they just replaced him 
on bass with Eddie's son Wolfgang. Yeah, which which would have been cool. Like we want to hear Wolfgang. Like you know, you know, it's your son. It's like you want to hear Dweezil Zappa. You want to hear you want to hear what the father produced and stuff like that. But to kick Mike out like that, to say that Mike only played bass lines that you that Eddie taught him. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's rude. It, honestly. Yeah, it's just it's not and, cool. Even if it's true, it's like 20, 30 years later. It's like you don't say it now. Like you know what I'm saying? If he wasn't doing, if he wasn't pulling his weight, then you should have got ridden gotten rid of him then yeah know? yeah no it's sad and there's obviously drama really just follows the van halen brothers yeah um but i do want to say that i saw van halen on this tour uh-huh on the reunion tour it was do one of the tell. first concerts i went to uh-huh. and remember you were saying the story or like do you just imagine seeing eruption and being completely mind blown yeah that was me at 14 years old oh my god i got this i'm so happy now that i got to see them yeah i got to see eddie with my own eyes please let us live vicariously through and you. i just remember again i'm like 14 15 so mm-hmm. like i've playing guitar for like maybe one or two years now i'm starting to get like a grasp of it yeah and just like i remember just going in and seeing him and i'm just like how does somebody do this it's like and it was so, it's so effortless with mm-hmm. him like he'll be doing the craziest thing. he'll just be smiling the whole time you know what i mean it's just like it's nothing to him it just yeah. really is a part of him yeah that's one of the great things i do want to say this because we know we're talking about like a, a little negative part of the van halen brothers but that's one of the great things of eddie as a guitar player it was like the way he smiled the way he moved around while he was playing his guitar you could tell it was a part of him he would mm-hmm. kick his legs he would swing around and he was just so thin and look like he was like so even on his own feet like yeah. you know what i mean that the guitar was just like it could have been a belt like mm-hmm. you know what i mean around <laughs> his waist like you, it you was know. just attached to the hip you know what i mean yeah 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 so so the thing i remember most about that concert is obviously eddie tearing it up and then i don't this is funny i don't even remember consciously thinking about dave as a singer mm-hmm. but i do remember thinking wow this guy is a great storyteller Cause I don't even remember. It was they were like they did like some Ice Cream Man song. Okay. And he was telling some story about yeah, you know, back in our day, back in 1972, we go up in the in the attic and we'd be smoking doobies mm-hmm. and we would roll up the weed and we had a jar where the seeds would fall down into the jar and then whenever we heard the Ice Cream Man, we'd be stoned and we'd go out and we'd get us some ice cream. <laughs> like he'd be he'd be saying shit like that. And again, I'm like 14, 15 years old. Uh, I probably was smoking weed by then. Uh, I probably shouldn't say that. <laughs> but but I just remember thinking like this guy's got some kind of something about him. Mm-hmm. Like he his singing didn't blow me away. But I remember even then thinking this guy is crazy. Mm-hmm. And at this point he's super into like martial arts. Yeah, he's doing all kinds of kicks and crazy things. Yeah, you know there's the infamous um incident where they were on what was it jimmy kimmel yeah where they were doing live tv and dave has this like the baton he's doing all the fucking ninja shit right and then he hits him he breaks his nose he right breaks his nose, yeah. of, he hits himself in the nose with this giant metal pole and they just keep he's like he goes on with the song like a true professional uh-huh and then he literally he just like goes off the stage like i need a little attention and they're like okay we're just gonna do this again but he didn't stop with a fucking broken nose bleeding all over the place the guy is a master showman. This yeah. is what we said the whole time, and it's nobody can ever take that away from him. Hell no. Um, but yeah, you know, so they put out another album together, and I mean, that's really it. Mm-hmm. That I mean, unfortunately, after that, Eddie, you know, he has a lot of health problems. He is, mm-hmm. you know, a cancer diagnosis, mm-hmm. and he passed away a couple years ago, unfortunately. Yeah. Leaving obviously an amazing legacy. Yeah, a studio. A child that plays like David Lee Roth is still here. Um, it was it was really sad when Eddie Van Halen died. I did shed a couple gangster tears because you know watched him play like pretty much all my life, and you know 
I, I don't know. I could say who doesn't love Van Halen. People do not like Van Halen, but mm-hmm. you know, young kid in America is hard not to hate. It, well, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard not to wait. It's, it's hard, hard to, to hate. hate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I got it, you. It's hard to not like, and it's hard to hate Van Halen, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I think so. And I don't know. It's really, you know, it's sad that it's that we have to be talking about the story as a completely end. Because now they're like, yeah, Eddie's gone. There's no Van Halen. I right. mean, that's insane. Imagine trying to replace him yeah, in no. Van Halen. No, I mean, who Alex would, would never do that. Nobody, no. would, nobody would want to do that. No. It's no. clearly done. Yeah. You know, so the, the, the book of Van Halen has been written. Yeah. And what yeah. a book it was. Yeah, yeah. Tons of albums. I mean, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, you know, one of the best guitarists ever on the planet. Like, one of the best bands ever in America, all over the world. Like, I mean, tons of success, tons of legacy. If they did their business right, they still got the money. You know? So... Something tells me Alex is pretty pretty set. Right, right. We we swear Alex looks like some type of underboss. Like those shades, I am scared. Okay. I said um, <laughs> we were talking about this before. To me, Alex looks like the final boss in a video game. <laughs> he just has like a, a very hulking presence about him. Like yes. he just looks like a guy that you don't want to fuck with. No. And no. even this is another quick story. I I remember when they were in their, in their early days. Mm-hmm. He was basically the enforcer. Yeah. David David was saying would. That um, if like one of the club owners was trying to like stiff them for money or something, he would be like, "Don't make me get Alex on you," because he was just a big scary motherfucker. You know what I mean? And I just think that's great because that's the kind of shit that you deal with when you're coming up, yeah, you know, in in music or entertainment of any kind, really. Absolutely. You know, people always try to get stiff, um, or try to stiff you because it is a long way to the top. Mm-hmm. If you want to rock and roll. That's true. But that's not them. That's ACDC. Check out our ACDC podcast. That's ACDC. That's not them, but. They did make it to the top. Uh-huh. And nobody can ever take that away from them. Um, one other little quick thing I just remember that's funny. I remember seeing Eddie have a cameo in Two and a Half Men. Okay. <laughs> do, you, do you know about this? I don't know about this. I, I used to watch that show a lot. Um, and I remember one time Charlie Sheen was like trying to go to the bathroom uh-huh. and he was like waiting forever out front of the bathroom. He was like, God, what's taking so long? And then he's like knocking on the door like, what the fuck? And then the bathroom door opens and Eddie Van Halen walks out of the bathroom with his guitar. And Charlie's like, you take your guitar to the bathroom with you, man? <laughs> and Eddie's like, well, yeah. You never know what inspiration might strike. And then plays some crazy <laughs> some crazy line and then just walks away. That's really funny. Yeah. Um, David Lee Roth was on an episode of The Sopranos at a gambling game. <laughs> really? Yes, telling a story. Was he with Frank Sinatra Jr.? <laughs> nope, not in that ex- exact episode, but he had had the short hair by then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What a crazy guy. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just think about Van Halen. I just think of good times. I just think, and again, Me obviously too. there's, you know, I did see them, but their heyday was way before I was born. But just hearing their early music, it's just so fun. And just thinking of how good they were, it just... It, again, you know, it's sad that Eddie's not with us anymore, but I'm happy that we got to experience that as, oh, yeah. a, as a people, as a culture. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So big shout out to all the Van Halen fans. Mm-hmm. It's a pity they didn't have names for, for fans at that point. Like, I, know, I was, gonna, I was about to say the Van Halenites. I that don't know. Really, that doesn't have a good ring to it. Yeah. And you can't Comment just... below what the Van Halen fans should right, be called. Right. Exactly. I and then thinking... say if you are one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> But um, yeah, so that's that's Van Halen. We love him. I'm definitely going to go listen to more Van Halen after this. Me too. <laughs> um, thanks for watching, everybody. This has been another episode of Music Maniacs with Sign After Dark. Oh.
as always, if we got anything wrong, tell us what we missed. Tell us what we should have said if we forgot anything. Uh, if you want to support the podcast, check us out at patreon.com slash musicmaniacs so we can continue doing this and make more episodes for you guys. And that's pretty much it. Until next time. Next time. We're Side After Dark. We'll see you soon. Peace. I'd give anything to not hear you.